That's a really cool song um, we did just a moment ago, the worship team. I really appreciate that. And that's kind of the, um, the whole message today wrapped up in a, in a song like that. And I know it sounds a little cheesy if I say it. If we sing it, it's one thing. But if I say, Christmas makes everything new, then it, that sounds you know, kind of corny. But it, I think it does. And I, I know I'm going to go all metaphysical on you, you know, but it, it, it really does. Because he is what makes us new. There's something about holidays that bring with them a little bit of a subtle hidden danger in that our expectations of them or, you know, in the moment are kind of raised. But what we're going to talk about today is that if you look for Christ within Christmas, if you look at the deeper thing, uh, he wants to, to move and to bless you and to do something fresh he did this for me last Christmas. It was during Christmas vacation. I took a few days that um, I had some extra time with the Lord. And he just really refreshed me and blessed me. And I just thought it was so cool because I'm kind of an old guy now. And I thought, Lord, you're not done. You still got things that you want to do and teach me and show me and, and take me to, to, to deeper places with you. So I, I just, I love that about the Lord. And I hope he does that for you this Christmas. I hope he blesses you and that it, it is just a real Merry Christmas. Um, Christmas began with a couple and I got to thinking about that and thinking about famous couples, famous couples. And at first I couldn't think of very many and then they just started coming and I'll have to leave a lot of them out. But here's just a variety, just some couples uh, that you might think of are pretty famous like Ricky and Lucy. Um, sort of, I was a baby, but my generation, um, Romeo and Juliet, uh, Ronald and Nancy Reagan, kind of famous a couple. Uh, Sonny and Cher. Ken and Barbie, famous couple. Um, Bonnie and Clyde. Um, Meghan Markle and Prince Harry, they're in, in the news a lot. Um, Fred and Wilma Flintstone, a pretty, pretty well-known couple. And then there are those um, <clears throat> couples that are famous from Scripture, you know, people in the Bible that you think of, of course, Adam and Eve, probably, I don't know if they're the most famous. Uh, Samson and Delilah had songs written about them. Ruth and Boaz, one of my favorite couples. I love that story, love how they came together. Who could forget Abraham and Sarah? Um, or David and Bathsheba? Or perhaps one of the most, uh, <clears throat> pardon me, in, intriguing couples in all of Scripture had to be the original Christmas couple. Uh, Joseph and Mary. Um, this gift that they would share together was just this gift of God's grace. Uh, because they were pretty ordinary. And, and I, I don't want us to think of them in, in like Bible terms. You know, when you read about people in Scripture and they take on this other sort of a, a demeanor, this presence uh, where they're not actually real people, but they were. They were, they were just people. So this gift was really grace. And then even the choosing of these two individuals who would be mother and father to the Christ, to Messiah, uh, that's pretty remarkable. You know, it's just kind of incredible. And we talk a lot about Mary. And, you know, we mention her, but I think she, she gets a lot of attention, and she should, yeah. But today, we're going to look a little more at Joseph. And just think about him. Uh, I think all during this season and all during this series kind of leading up to this, he keeps coming back to my mind. And I've been fascinated with him. Uh, so here's the big idea about today's message. Joseph 
almost missed out on being a part of God's plan because of his hurt. But he overcame that. He overcame the fear. He overcame all the disappointment. And he chose uh, very purposefully to put his faith in God, not in his feelings, not in his thoughts, not where, you know, he, he, maybe his flesh wanted to go. But he said, God, I'm just going to go with you. I'm going to trust you, and I'm going to believe you, even though this is just the craziest thing that's ever happened to me. And our application is not just for today, but during this time, during this season. I hope over the next week or so that maybe Holy Spirit gets your attention, and he's able to do something bigger than Christmas or within Christmas. I'm not sure even how to express that. But I hope he uses this as kind of a catalyst or a framework uh, that he can work in us in, in deeper ways. So here's the application. We can be reconciled to God and his family and his plan. If you're outside of that, you know, if you're trying to figure it out and you know, God, I'm just slowing things down and I'm... I'm sort of delaying what you want to do in my life, and I'm holding that back in some ways. I'm resisting your grace. I'm pushing back. That maybe this would be a a season or a time where God says, you know what, if you trust me, you trust me this Christmas season, I'm going to do something maybe a little unexpected in you and for you. So this gift of grace, which God chose to give this couple, it didn't come without challenge. And I think we romanticize things that we read about or we don't understand unless we're in a moment like that. You know, you're in a place uh, where you think, wow, this is hard. You know, like if you've ever uh, gone on something, you know, done something as simple as a diet and you think, well, diets are really hard. And it's one thing for me to talk about and think, yeah, you know what, after Christmas, I'm going to, I'm going to seriously, I'm me at this time. I'm really, I'm going to get I'm going to pull myself together, and I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that. You know, and it's one thing, and you, and you feel that, especially I make big commitments like right after a really good meal. You know what? I'm not going to eat any again. I'm going to eat again until maybe next Wednesday. I'm serious. I'm, I feel good. I feel like I'm into this. I can, I can pull it off. And then, you know, a couple hours go by, and you think, are there any more potato chips? In, 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 in? And so it, it's one thing to look at a couple like this and to think, that must have been hard. It must have been challenging. But I hope today, maybe just a little bit, we get pulled into their world and we can feel what they were feeling. Because I think some of you, not in the exact same way, of course, uh, but in some ways, similar, you're, you're there. And just because it's Christmas, you're not insulated from everyday problems or life or whatever's going on with you. Maybe it's with your job or your health or a relationship. And none of that just, you know, stops and says, okay, we're just going to leave you alone. The enemy's not going to say, I'm not going to bother you. I know it's Christmas. I'm not going to try to make things harder. He doesn't care about that. So you could even be under some kind of a spiritual attack during this time. So that's what today's about. Now, to make this work, we're going to use Scripture. We're going to trust Holy Spirit. And I want you to employ your imagination for just a few minutes. And I want you to visualize... um, what it must have been like to have been one of these two figures, uh, you know, this, this famous couple, um, to have walked in their shoes or their sandals, 
I guess, to, to be, <laughs> to be correct. Uh, in, in this precious thing that God chose, specifically chose, Joseph and Mary to do. And they've got all these plans, you know. They're just going on in their life, and they're, they're, they're you know, talking to their friends. Everybody knows about this upcoming wedding. And, you know, they're starting to think about, well, where do you live? Oh, I found this little place. And, oh, you know what we ought to do? And, I mean, you know, they're just, just like everybody does. They're, they're leaning into this moment, and they're just so happy. There's this young couple, and they're in love, and they've got all these things. Um, but what would it be like? If in the midst of that, or any moment of your, your life, God chose you to parent the Messiah, the Savior of the world. I mean, anything God, anytime God does anything, or I, I just go, me, what? Me, no, no. Who, me? You know, you have those moments? Well, let's see. Let's just read the story firsthand and kind of get an idea of what God was doing at work uh, in the life of Joseph and Mary. And this is from Matthew's account. It's in the first chapter. And I'm just going to begin reading at the 18th verse. Now, the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. And here's what the prophet said. Behold the virgin, this is from Isaiah. Behold the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but he knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. Wow, what a moment. I should consider Joseph. We, we really don't know a lot about this guy. We know less about him than we do Mary. And we really don't know a whole lot about Mary. Matthew 1.16 tells us that Joseph's father's name was Jacob. So, you know, if you go on Ancestry.com, Joseph goes, Joseph, Jacob. And that's kind of, you know, uh, but it, it's going to keep going. <clears throat> Pardon me. Matthew 13, 55 tells us that Joseph was a carpenter, uh, which means he made frames for doorways and windows, and he made you know, chairs and just things like that. I'm so sorry about my voice. This has been a, a struggle. I'll be better by April, I'm sure. Uh, the first 17 verses of Matthew chapter 1 traces Jesus' genealogy and shows, even though Joseph's not his biological father, everything is so set. Um, this part of Scripture is, is like this OCD part of the Bible, you know, where it says, just want you to know, we've covered all the bases and everything just is going to line up here. Uh, so this genealogy shows Joseph is clearly from the family, from the, the line going all the way back to, to David, and he can trace that. So prophecy is being fulfilled 
in every way imaginable that could be. And this was one of the most attractive things to me as a non-believer, is when I began to hear about and see how prophecies about Christ lined up. And that was really interesting. It was kind of fascinating to me. Because some things people say, you know, uh, this is going to happen next year, and then they could maybe even do something or work to influence it so that it does happen, and they go, well, how about that? And you go, yeah, well, you made it. Jesus couldn't control anything about his birth. He couldn't say, I'm going to be born in this town, and this is going to happen, and this is going to happen. That's just so out of his control. He's not even born yet, but it happened. It really got my attention. Um, and, and I just remember thinking about that and then looking at other prophecies, and I thought, wow, how come nobody ever told me about this? How did, this is incredible, you know. So just looking at that. Um, probably the best, absolutely the best thing we can say about Joseph is recorded in Scripture is in Matthew one nineteen, where the Bible calls him, this version says, a just man. It's really the word for righteousness. He was righteous. Uh, I, I, I like that word. You know, I, I, I wrote it, I, righteous. He was a righteous man. Um, so Joseph and Mary were faced with this glorious, amazing kind of a thing, but it's very mysterious news in what God is going to take them through. There's no precedent for this. There's nothing they could look at each other and go, oh my goodness, this is just like, because this has never happened before. They're the first. They're the original Christmas couple. Verse 21 says, she will give birth to a son, and you're to give him the name Jesus, Yeshua, Yeshua, or uh, in Greek, Jesus. You know, he had this name uh, because he will save the people from their sin. It's like a derivative from Joshua. And what God's doing, he's connecting these, these dots, and he's pulling it all uh, together. So can you imagine Joseph and Mary having a Christ child? And they know this. You know that song, Mary, Did You Know? I always want to shout into the radio. And this is just a pet thing with me. I want to go, yes, she knew. She knew. She knew. He knew. Every, you know, they knew. The angels told them. So the shepherds even knew. You know. Um, so anyway, okay, I, this is a little personal rant. Thank you so much. I feel, I feel really better. Sorry, Mark Lowry. Uh, but uh, if you can just imagine this. And I always thought... <laughs> You know, they went on to have several children. When they have like five, seven children, you know, we, uh, so they, uh, can you imagine being the little brother or sister of Jesus? <laughs> I, just, I just would hate living under that all the time. You know, hey, listen, <laughs> Jesus was always right. He was always nice. And they're always like, who did that? And Jesus standing there going, okay, it wasn't Jesus. We know. It was one of you guys. <laughs> And, you know, they just talked about that, and uh, I, I, don't, I don't know. They said, no, you, you are all our children. Jesus is the Son of God. <laughs> Great. How are you? I don't know. He's our son, but he's also going to be Lord over you, you know. And I don't know. It's just that would have been a tough gig. But they did. You know, they, they just grow up in that. But think about Joseph and Mary as parents. A lot of you in this room are parents. And some of you are right in the midst of this. Some of you are, you know, you're, you're already, like, I'm in the next phase of that, grandparenting, you know, and just kind of, it's like you're starting all over in some ways. Uh, they are, th- think about that. that they, they were to raise a boy who was the Savior of the world. Okay, we got this. You know, I mean, what do you do? You do think, oh, we, we've got to be, I, I don't know, there's just pressure, a little pressure there. 
And he's not conceived by man, but he's brought about through the power of God. This is just totally no, nothing you know, ever before this. So although they're convinced this is, this is God's plan, he's, he's doing this not in the way that everybody expected or thought about it and had figured out. And you know how people do that with prophecy? Uh, just like now when we think about the second coming of Christ and you know, there's all these books and television shows and, and people got it figured out and here's how it's going to happen. You know? and, they just, and they look at their charts and diagrams and, things, and then it doesn't happen. Like, it's just not going to be like that. That's the same climate, same atmosphere that was going on here. Everybody thought they had it figured out. Nothing happened like they thought. I mean, this was just, they didn't see it coming. And here they are. They're right in the middle of this. And they're convinced this is God's plan. Uh, But I'm sure they must have wondered a thousand times, how is this going to take place? How is, how, how, is, how are things going to take shape as this goes forward? Uh, because everything's new. There's no pattern. Uh, there's nobody to go to and talk about. There's no books. There's nothing to Google and say, you know, how, how to raise Messiah. <laughs> oh, okay. And this is probably what's going to happen next. No, nobody knew. So they just kept stepping forward into this real uncertain. It was really exciting, but it had to have been a little intimidating uh, as well. Now, in, in the beginning of this, as this story starts, Joseph must have been deeply disappointed, to say the least, in Mary's unexplained pregnancy. And how that just unraveled all of their plans all of his hopes, his dreams, you know, he daydreamed about it, and he was thinking about it, and he talked to his friends and his family. So you think about all of that just comes crashing down. It's like none of that's going to happen. Plus the social stigma at that moment in that generation at that time in his village and where he lived, and it's like uh, everybody, every time they look at me, you know what they're thinking, and they're thinking this, and they're going, oh, poor Joseph, oh, I'm so sorry. You know? and, and he probably assumed I don't know what else he would think except that she had been unfaithful to him. Uh, which had to have hurt a lot. So he would have felt completely, totally justified in divorcing her. Being the victim, making a big show, walking away, and just saying, you know what, this is a complicated mess. I'm not going to have anything to do with it. I, I, I'm out. This is, this is me. I'm out. Until... God told him otherwise in verse 19. Here's a thought. Here's a question for you, okay? Can you imagine how the story would have unfolded if, in his disappointment, Joseph had ignored God's instructions? Now, see this all through these events, these historical events. We can call them Bible stories. But, you know, it's just how fragile it was. Just one little move, one yes, one no, uh, one I'm not going to do that, or I am, would have just changed so much of history and this story. If Joseph said, nah, you know what, I'm, st- I'm still going to divorce her. I, I don't, I'm just, I'm sorry, I'm not, you know. That's how that would have changed the story. Holidays. Christmas especially, but I think other holidays, even birthdays, things like that, provide these, these fresh opportunities for us to acknowledge our disappointments. 
You know, sometimes there's like a melancholy or a nostalgia or something that comes. I think with Christmas more than other holidays, um, memories, and some of those can be really sweet. Some of those are bittersweet. Some of those have no sweetness to them at all. Maybe you're in, in a moment like that. But it's a time for you to, to face that. And, and sometimes parents and kids uh, build up such expectations for the holidays that it can lead to a disappointment. Or it can be sabotaged. You know, you think that Christmas Day is you know, it's just a few days away, and on Christmas everything's going to be beautiful and everything's going to be perfect. Have you ever had it like that? Has your dog ever eaten the turkey or, you know, or your kids ever get into a big fight? Um, I want to embarrass, I, I know a couple who had children. And when they were like middle schoolish age and they got into a fuss on Christmas Day. And I remember I heard about this guy who was the dad and the dad goes to the top of the stairs and just in exasperation he says it is christmas <laughs> you know it's like you can fight tomorrow <laughs> but not today it's christmas christmas is magic <laughs> you know it doesn't mean just because it's christmas all your expectations are going to happen or that your kids aren't going to be exhausted and sabotage that day that you have planned so meticulously There's no guarantee that it's going to happen like that. Some of our holiday expectations, I know they may be unimportant, you know, in the big scheme of things. But some are linked to to big ways that, that we feel, that we expect. People are supposed to show me love. You know, this is supposed to be a sweet time. And somehow that was supposed to happen, but it failed. Uh, maybe somebody who you were counting on and you were looking for the phone call or, or for the hug or for the, the visit or whatever. And, and they feel like, okay, I have, I have been failed to be loved in the way that my heart longed to be or that I wanted to be. You've been there and you may be there again. And I think the enemy uses those kind of expectations in kind of a subtle way. Uh, because you think, well, I'm really disappointed with my spouse. You know, they, they got me an ab roller for Christmas or a vacuum cleaner. And, you know, that I kind of was counting on something a little different than that. Or, and and I, I think there, there's something spiritual about that where, you know, it could be this moment of, you know, the expectations not realized. And to be honest, come on, isn't it kind of hard to live up to all the expectations of Christmas? So we sabotage ourselves. We put a lot of pressure, I think, in that. So knowing that Joseph went through an experience like he went through on that very first Christmas really helps us to deal with our own disappointments. We can choose to keep reliving past hurts, going over those memories, you know, those negative things, Uh, And letting that just steal the joy that God wants you to have in the present. Or you can just real gently release those. Like Joseph, we can entrust our lives to God knowing he can and longs to heal our hearts. And he wants to bring a healing that's, that's beyond 
maybe what you thought or expected or even hoped for. He is able, as Ephesians 3.20 says, to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine. I've got a good imagination. I can imagine some good things. He says God's got that. He can go beyond that because it's according to, check this out, his power that is at work within us. So when we unleash him from our spirits instead of, um, you know, th- this selfish thing, and I don't mean it like, in a, like to put you on guard, you know, like, oh, you're saying I'm being selfish? No, I'm just saying you're living in yourself, you know, and <coughs> pardon me. Uh, those memories will be unleashed in your soul and, and, and you start going over that and that becomes your, becomes your feeling and your go-to place instead of having God release himself through your spirit and just kind of bless you uh, in a different way. And he goes, that's what I want to do. I'm at work within you. I'm already there. I'm already there. You don't have to pray for more Jesus. God, I need more. Let's put Christ back in Christmas. Let's put Jesus. He says, I'm here. I'm here. I'm already here. So this, I call it big day sabotage. You know? It's like a military thing. It's not just something that happens when you've got overstimulated, tired children who are loaded up on sugar. You know, it's also something many of us adults do. We do the very same thing to each other. We create these expectations or they're created for us, and then we can't live up to those. And we build up holidays into this huge moment uh, that can, it's just never going to be able to match, you know, our experience and our expectations. So what I'm trying to do is not take the fun or the joy or the, you know, out of Christmas, because I want you to have an amazing Christmas. But I just want to take a little pressure off. I just want to go, so you don't feel like, Oh, so it's okay if halfway through Christmas Day I think, you know what, I'd really like to take a nap because I'm just tired. I'm like, That's all right. That's all right. You are so free. You're so freed up uh, about this. Our intentions are good. You know, I, there's, no, there's, no, there's no sin in this, but holidays can just make us a little melancholy or leave us feeling kind of let down. At the end of the day, you think, wow, I waited 365 days for this, and I don't know, it just didn't seem like I thought it was going to be. It's okay. It's all right. Maybe it won't. Too much stimulus, too many feelings, too much activity, too many opportunities. Uh, you know, you just think, oh, we got to do that, and we got to go here, and we got to see this, and we got to experience that, and we got to watch this. And that's so easy to be sabotaged. So maybe, maybe we need to think about keeping big days like Christmas and the whole season that surrounds it simpler. I'm just throwing this out. We have to resist overscheduling and overhyping this and just let it be what it is and just let it flow. Um, Less during holidays is often more. So what if you dialed it back a little? Does that just feel good even when I say that? You just think, oh, we have permission to not? Yeah. What if you just went, oh, you know what? Let's don't do that. I think there's something that God wants to build into this that's not moving at that kind of a pace, but it has some margin built in. 
and it's and it's at a and at a different way, a different movement. So this is my advice, okay? This is not from Scripture. You know how one time Paul said, "Hey, the Holy Spirit didn't give me this; just what I think." <laughs> I love that about Paul, and I appreciate him saying that. Well, this this I didn't get this in a revelation or anything. This is just Dan saying, "Hey." Don't add anything else to your to-do list. Don't just, it's okay. It's good. It's going, to be a great, it's going to be a great holiday. It's going to be a great Christmas. Don't pack anything else into it. Unless you're going to get me a gift and you hadn't and you're going out tomorrow, that's probably okay. But uh, otherwise, just abandon um, well-intentioned, but big-time, consuming projects that are just, just going to wear you out. And make rest and space and relationships. Let that be your priorities and, and, and so that you, you have more time and you, and you have more uh, of yourself and this, this energy to invest in your loved ones. Otherwise, you know what's going to happen. You're just going to have on this weary mask <laughs> that you're going to put on and you're going to grind through it, but underneath that is this drained and depleted soul. And there's a part of you that's just going to long for it to all be done and New Year's to be done so you can go back to work and rest. <laughs> I don't think that's the way it's supposed to be. Christmas is a lot of fun. I love, I, and I've told you before, I used to not like it. It was just, I liked the parties. I was a party guy and just went to the parties and, and, and all of that. And then it was over. And that was kind of, that was the only significance about it. But God is showing me, and he's, he's shown me for a long time now, there's a deeper, more beautiful substance to it. And, and I love it. I, I really, I like it now. But maybe there's a situation that you're going through. And Christmas doesn't erase it. Or you've endured the loss of someone. And I, I want to I be careful. And, 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 but maybe this is your first Christmas without somebody. Or maybe Christmas always reminds you of somebody that's not there. And there's just that little that twinge and that hurt uh, that's there. Maybe, maybe this time of year does that. or may, I, I don't know. Maybe your health. Like I say, there could be a hundred different things. And, and those are going to keep. And it's not like Christmas comes rolling through and, and all of that is just pushed away. It's, it's still there, right? But that's okay. And if you're still hurting... I don't want you to feel shame or guilt or, or a cloud because of that. It's all right. Here's something I want you to think about. Joseph all, almost missed out on being a part of God's plan because of the pain that he was in. The rejection, the hurt, the betray- all of that that he, he felt. But he overcame his fear and his disappointment by placing his faith in God. And everything changed. I know it's one of those things that when I say it, you think, wow, you make it sound so easy, but it's not. I I get it. I I know. I know it's not. But I'm going to urge you, and here's one of the areas. I'm going to urge you to, to forgive from your heart, anyone in your life who's hurt and disappointed you, especially if you've got to be with them on Christmas, okay? And it may be family, probably, or friends or something, and, 
You know, I have been to Christmases where they stand on this side of the room and you stand on that side of the room and you make sure you never intersect and you're just very cold or polite, you know, and you kind of get through the day and you get back in the car and you go, and all of that. Look, just try as much as within you, just forgive. Just forgive it and let it go. I know, I know, again, it's one of those things you think, wow, you just say stuff that makes it sound so easy and it's not. I know it's not. I know that. But I also know that the enemy will keep you from doing that because it's so powerful. It's so powerful and has such an amazing effect on everything. So some of you, you need to let go of a grievance. Maybe it's against God himself. You're mad at God about something. Uh, Joseph had a legit issue, um, not because of anything he had done wrong, um, but just as a step of trust in goodness and grace, he moved forward in the right direction. God is working through seemingly broken, hard things in your life to bring about redemption. That's the way he moves, and that's the way he works. And he doesn't want your heart to be broken for nothing. He doesn't want you to walk through something, and you just want to get past it, and, it's, and you feel like and then it's wasted, and you just think, I don't care. No, allow God to redeem it and to pour through that his grace. And it becomes one of those things you think, I wouldn't go back through that for a million dollars, but also wouldn't take a million dollars for where I am and what he's done in me because of that. You'll miss out on what God wants to do, to, to do in our lives and the lives of people around you if you just carry into Christmas disappointment and all those grudges. Now, today, um, Sunday, what is the, it's like the 22nd, right? I don't even know what day it is. Uh, you know, you've got a few days. This would be a perfect day. This would be a perfect time. Just let it go. Just let it go. You can already feel emotionally the effect. You think, oh, that feels really good, and I don't even think I've fully committed to it. Just let it go. You see, when God intersects human lives, like he did with Joseph and Mary, I mean, this was such an interruption such an intrusion. He not only creates new opportunities, but he also changes our perspective. He changes the way you think about it and look at things. And he, he, he changes that. Joseph went to sleep certain that the best thing to do would be to quietly divorce Mary. You know, he's kind of like, I made up my mind. I've got a plan. I think this is the right thing. And I'm just going to go to bed. I'm really tired. And I mean, he went to sleep thinking that. And most of us probably would kind of do the same thing. But the Lord showed him, no, the best thing to do is to support her, to stand with her, to help her raise this child who would be named Jesus. It wasn't Joseph's idea. It was God's idea. God's idea is always going to be better than your idea. Even if it's not intuitive, even if it doesn't feel like it or look like it. 
That's one of the things we may need to recognize. It's the difference between our perspective and God's perspective. And we need to remember that God doesn't always see things like we do. Where we might see impossible written all over something. God looks and he sees the possibilities. And things we never could have imagined. God sees hope. God sees life. God sees new beginnings. What we need to get is just this fresh, new outlook in our life. Christmas is a good time for that. So that rather than seeing what we see and assuming we know the end result of that or we know how it's all going to work out or even how it all happened to begin with, instead, just abandon that and trust God's hand working in and through your circumstances to do something so beautiful so outside of what your expectations were and just something so different that you'll think about it and talk about it and be blessed from it for years to come it may change the whole course and direction of your life that's what it did with Joseph and Mary too So keep your eyes on Jesus, not just the holiday, but Jesus within the holiday. And have a Merry Christmas. Just stand and let's let's sing and celebrate and praise and maybe let go of some things like expectations and just reaffirm, God... I'm trusting you. Everything's not perfect in my life today, and I want it to be because Christmas feels like it should be, but God, I'm releasing that, and I'm just embracing your grace. I'm feeling you wrap yourself around me.